a real special honor of uh, listening to um, a good friend and, what, and somebody who has a real heart and a real ability to just be able to get into the Word and share the Word and share the heart of God. So everybody give Colin a really big encouragement. I'm a little disappointed that uh, Julie says he's not looking for opera singers for, um, for you know, Christmas. I'm hoping that this Christmas carol service is going to be done in the form of opera, which is a bit of a... That's one to consider for next year. Yeah. It's good to be here. It's good to um, be God's people, isn't it? Um, I want, when you see a sign, what is a sign for? It's a sign, you know, we've got some signs here to, uh, to have a look at. Some, uh, caution, fire is hot. That's opposed to the usually cold fire that, uh, that, you, that you get, you know. Stop, so in case, in case the, the, the big wall didn't, uh, didn't, didn't advise you to slow down, it's telling you to stop. For all you DIY people, it's never a good idea to, to, to put a, the drill into your friend's head. So, in case, you, in case you get that idea, then you know not to do it now. If the door does not open, do not enter. That's, that's, that speaks for its then. Next one. Do not sit on the fence. You should never sit on the fence, but that's, I don't think I'd be very tempted to sit on that fence. You know, it's not look very comfortable. It's, uh, always read the small print. You know, free beer. No, it's free Wi-Fi and cold beer, so read the small print. Now, no matter how bad your children have been, when you go to the zoo, then you should never feed them to the crocodiles, so it's, it's never, never advisable. I think that's the last one. Yeah, so signs, what, what are signs for? Signs, signs should be to, to point towards something else. The signs are not unending themselves. That point towards something else. Carlos watches a program. Um, what is it, it called? It's Salvage Hunters. Now, I, I, I try to pretend not to watch. I try to read, read and do something else, but I always get drawn in it and watch it. And this guy, and he, he goes around buying things everywhere, and then he, he sells it as a, a massive profit. You know, he, uh, he, he makes out that it's, you know, he says, well, it's, it's not, not all that good. You know, I can only pay so much, but then he, he sells it on. And he's got a website. I looked on his website, this guy. And he's, he, a lot of these things that he looks for, he looks for these signs, these old advertising signs. And he's got on his sign, he's got an old Kodak sign on his, on his website. He's got a Kodak sign, um, advertising Kodak. You know, it's an old-fashioned metal one. He's selling it for, for 500 quid. You know, I thought, that's... You know, but the sign which was meant to, to advertise something else, it actually went... They went... Um, they had financial problems. I think they went bust, didn't they, a few years back? But... Um, but now that the sign itself that was pointing towards something else, it's become a collectible item in itself, and it's just become an end in itself when the original purpose was to point towards something else. So the purpose in signs is, is, to, is to point to something, show something else. In, in John's Gospel, in the Bible, John often talks about the miracles of Jesus as being signs. They are signs because they're not an end in themselves. The miracles aren't simply uh, to, to see the miracles, the miracles that Jesus performs uh, show a greater truth, uh, something greater. Out of all the miracles, there's only one miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, and that's, that's the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to read, read it uh, from, from John's Gospel, John chapter 6. Got to the point where I've got to start putting these things on. I know a few years ago, Claire said, when you get to a certain age, then your eyesight, it suddenly starts to go, and, and soon after she said that, then it started going, sure enough. <laughs> so I've reached that age when it's, it's all downhill. <laughs> so John, John 6, we're going to read from John 6, verses 1 through to verse 13. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up the mountain, 
And there he sat with his disciples. Now the, Pas- now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there's so much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number and about five and about five thousand in in about in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of those barley loaves which were left over by those who were eaten. We pray that God will add his blessing to his word. These 5,000, actually the, the Bible, um, when it, uh, take them off, uh, the Bible, uh, when it records 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 men, that's, that's actually only the men, because so it doesn't actually record the number of, of women and children. That's, that's the way, at the time, people recorded things. And so there could, could have been three times as many, even, four, uh, even more than three times as many. So maybe in excess of 15,000, maybe, uh, so that, that Jesus fed, because the number is only, uh, only the men that is, that is counted. And so... Whatever the actual number of people, there was a lot of people there that Jesus fed with these, this small amount of food, these five loaves and two fish. And so one of them says, how shall we feed all these people? He says, 200 denarii of bread is not, uh, worth, of food, worth, of, um, worth of money is not enough to feed all, all these people. That's about eight months' wages in, in that time. You know, can you imagine eight months of your wages? That wasn't enough to feed all these people. And so along comes Andrew, and he brings this, this young boy. And uh, he says, this, this lad's got, got five loaves and two fish. He says, but what are they among so many? I think what Andrew was actually uh, meaning, what, what he was actually thinking is, he thought, well, at least the staff have got something to eat. You know, but... Um, Maybe he had a grain of faith within him. But Andrew, uh, he fetched this lad, and with, it, with that grain of faith, and, and Jesus fed these, these people. In addition to, to the feeding of the 5,000, there's two other Gospels, Matthew and Mark, also speak about feeding of the 4,000. So this, this miracle, this the miracle which appears in all the Gospels, and is a similar miracle is repeated twice in, in other Gospels, it's, it must have something important to say if that's, um, if that's what, you know, if it's repeated so many times. Um, Jesus talks later on in John's Gospel, which we're going to look at some of the, the words what Jesus says, and we're going to look, also look at some of the words that he says in Mark's Gospel after, after, what he, after he feeds all these people. And it, it talks about him being the bread of life. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's what we're looking at today. But after Jesus performed this miracle, after he fed these people, many of, the, of those who saw it, they, they saw what Jesus did, and they thought that they could get something for free. We heard that expression, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, that's a wrong expression to start with because if you're from Yorkshire, you know there's no such word as lunch. You know, there's only, there's only three meals. You've got breakfast, dinner, and tea. So, so lunch just, just doesn't exist. But, but the saying says that there's no such thing as, as a free lunch. But the people came along and... Uh, they wanted something for free. They'd seen Jesus feed all these people. And so they thought, well, perhaps, perhaps we can have something else. Perhaps we can get something else for free. So many, many followed him because of that reason. Who can blame it? It was a spectacular miracle to see Jesus feeding all these people with such a very small amount of food. 
but they didn't look beyond the miracle. They didn't look towards what the miracle was pointing at. Jesus performed a miracle, not just so that people could be fed. He had compassion on the people and he fed the people, but he did it to actually point to a greater truth that Jesus is the bread of life. Again, it says in John 6, 26, that might be coming up on the screen, it says, you've come looking for me not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you and filled your stomachs and for free. So they'd had a free, free meal and they wanted, you know, they wanted to see something else, something spectacular again. Now we believe in a God who can do miracles. He is a mighty God. I said last time, you know, that we've got a supernatural God. And that, that is true. We must never forget that. But sometimes we, we, we want to seek God and we seek God because of what he can do for us. And, and he does do things for us. He does do wonderful things. But the reason why we want the miracles to happen is not just so that we'll see things, so we'll be entertained, but that we'll, it will point to a greater truth that Jesus will be glorified, that Jesus, the name of Jesus will be lifted high. That is what we want to see. That's what we want to see here. That's what we want to see in this town. We want to see the name of Jesus exalted. We want to see the name of Jesus honored and lifted high. There are many benefits in the Christian life, and I'm sure we can all uh, say that we've benefited. You know, it's good to be in a, in a, in a church family. It's good to be amongst other Believers, people who, who can encourage us, people who can help us. There are many benefits in, in, what, uh, in the life that we live, the Christian life. It makes us useful. It gives us um, concern for others. It, make, it gives us a purpose in, in all that we do. But sometimes we, we, can, we can act as though that is it. That is what it's all about, but it's not. It's about Jesus. Sometimes those who aren't Christians, they, they like the things that we do as Christians. They like the, uh, the things and they think, if we just leave the Jesus bit out, then, you know, it's be even better. You know, but Jesus is not part of our faith. Jesus is not part of our life as Christians. If Jesus is part of your life, then that's not good enough. Jesus is our entire life. He's our entire faith when, when we trust in Jesus, when we... When we, when we put our faith in Jesus, it's not a part of our life. It's not this part of our life is work. This is part of our life at home. And then this part of our life is Jesus. Jesus exists in the entirety of it. it, it when we give our lives to him, it, it, he has everything. He owns everything. And he owns our entire life. So if we've got a faith that uh, has a little bit of Jesus in it, that's not what it should be like. That's not what it should be about. Jesus is the entirety of all that we believe in. Another verse that Jesus uh, said in uh, John 6, um, John 6, 35, where he talks about the bread of life, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John said this shortly after uh, feeding the 5,000. The crowds had received a free meal, and they had their bellies filled, and for some, that seemed to be all what they wanted. And some of them said to him, he said, what sign will you perform that we may believe in you? What work will you do? Hang on a minute, Jesus just fed in excess of 5,000 people, probably 15, maybe 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And they said, what, what sign will you do that we might believe in you? I think they, they missed something there, didn't they? You know, they missed something out. If, if they can't believe in Jesus from such a, an amazing miracle, then nothing what they see is going to convince them. Nothing will, it's not, not going to change their mind. And Jesus did do, do many, many miracles. He did many other miracles. But what he wouldn't do, he wouldn't perform. He wouldn't, he wouldn't perform for their entertainment. It's often true that those who, who criticize Jesus, they never actually doubted his miracles. Those who, who were really against him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they never, uh, I don't think they it, in the scriptures, they actually doubt what he did. But what they do, they reject him, not because of his miracles, not because they don't believe in his miracles, but they reject him because he mixed with the wrong people. And he did his miracles on the wrong day. Really, I mean, that's, that's how, how petty it was that, that they had that type of uh, attitude. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they saw the miracles. They, they believed that they happened. But yet they said, well, 
he mixes with, with unsavory characters, you know, and he, he does things on the wrong day, on the Sabbath day. And so likewise, many of those who witness the feeding of the 5,000, they now demand another miracle. What will you do, they said. Jesus, however, tells them that the need isn't another miracle. They don't need another sign. They need to see what the sign of the feeding of the 5,000 was pointing towards. What was it doing? What was it saying? I'm the bread of life, says Jesus. It's me that you need to feed on. You need to not simply satisfy your, your physical need, but you need to satisfy your spiritual need. And he says again, he says, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the, of his blood, uh, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Many of those who followed Jesus actually were quite troubled by these words, and uh, many of them were quite offended, and many, many of them stopped following him when they heard these words, when he, when he was talking about eating and drinking his, his flesh and his, his blood. But Jesus put it much clearer as well. And he, when they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. If you want to do a great work for God, if you want to do a mighty work for God, then believe in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never trusted in Jesus, then that is the greatest thing that you can do. You don't have to work and strive and, and uh, do a list of things in order for God to accept you. You need to believe in the one that he sent. Believe in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. And if you do that, it's the greatest work. There's no greater work, there's no greater thing that you can ever do in your life than to do that. One of the, the things that, uh, that are popular these days, you know, and it's getting near Christmas, is these experience days, isn't it? You, you buy these experience days where you, you can go around a, um, a, a, a racing, racing track you know, a circuit for, for a few minutes and, or go up in an hot air balloon, all, all sorts of these things where you get experience days. You know, the people who were following Jesus after this miracle, they were looking for the next big experience, the next great experience. It's something we can all be guilty of if, if we're not careful. Make, make no mistake, God is a mighty God. God is a miraculous God. He does a miraculous things, and he still does it, and we should expect him to do that. But we're not simply looking for, for the next experience. Jesus wouldn't act as an entertainer. The, he had uh, reasons for what, why he did. Sometimes we look for this next experience. We want to be filled with the Spirit so that we can feel good. And we should be filled with the Spirit, but not simply so that we can feel good, not so that we can feel good inside, but so that we might be empowered for service. It might be that in our Christian life, we are looking for experiences. We are looking for the next big thing, the next, we live from Sunday to Sunday to, work, to, to get to the next uh, time when we're together, but we, we to live for him throughout the week. We look for the next experience, it might be the next event, the next one event, and it's good, it's good when, when you get to the one event, but we're not to live from one to another. You know, when we get to the end of the one, well, how many t- is it to the next one? Well, it's, when we get there, then it's, it's what has it got to tell us? How does it point us to Jesus? It might be the next gathering if, it's, if, we, if we go to the gathering. We might, not all of these things are good. All of these things are, are, are right. But if we, if we live for them, we can become a slave to this. It might be um, a certain speaker we, we like. If you're like me, when you, when you get to the one event, you look down the list and you tick off names. Yeah, he's good. I like him. I like him. Oh, I'm not sure about him. You know, I'm, uh, but, uh, but it's not about... People. It's not about people, is it? It's, it's about uh, Jesus. It might be the next uh, song that we, we, we like. It might be the next worship leader. Or we might have a worship leader who we like. And all of these things, all these things are good and, and of God. Just like the miracles of Jesus. Well, but if we're not careful, we can make these the experience. We make the event the experience. We can make the, the worship song the experience. We can make coming to church even the experience. And none of that is, the, is what it's about. All these things are signs to point us towards Jesus. And that is their purpose. They are of God and they are good. But if we make any of them uh, an end in themselves, then we miss out. We can even uh, be guilty of it 
when we come up and, and speak, those who will speak, we might think, this is, a, this is a sermon that's going to change. If they listen to this, then their lives will be changed. This is, this is what they need to hear. Um, you know, but it's not, it's not about what we want and what we do. As I said, please don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not um, saying any of these things, things are wrong and that we shouldn't do them. Of course, of course, they're right and they're God, but we need to, to realize that they point towards Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't know if there's something uh, going on, but, but last week Paul, um, Paul gave, gave a story about a vending machine. And I told him after it, I said, I'd, I'd just been looking at my notes the, the day before, and I'd, I'd written in my notes about, I've got a story about a vending machine as well. So and I'm going to tell it as well. Now, I want to put a disclaimer. I'm not, uh, not condoning what's, what happens here. And uh, I don't want you to get the idea that, uh, that we're encouraging uh, cheating from vending machines. But, uh, uh, so that's a disclaimer. But I used to work somewhere about in, in Darton oh, ten, year, 10 years ago, maybe slightly longer. And we had a vending machine there. And you, you've probably seen them, you know. And the item, the Mars bar, whatever, is on like a a coil thing, you know, and, and you put your money in and it turns around and the, the, the product should drop off in, into the drawer below. That's, that's the idea. Occasionally, it didn't quite turn enough and your, your Mars bar, whatever it might be, just hanging precariously on the end there. So you need a little bit of encouragement, just a little bit of a check, and, and if you did that, then it would fall off. No harm done, you know, you've paid your money, so, you know, you've got it. Well, there was a guy who worked, who worked there, and he did that. He put his money in, and his, 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 his chocolate bar, whatever, it, it didn't fall off, and he was hanging precariously. So somebody says, just get a little check. And so, well, he went and he gave it some, not just gentle encouragement, but quite enthusiastic encouragement. And he, he shook it, and he shook the machine, he shook the vending machine so vigorously, that actually everything in the, in the machine, it all fell out into the drawer at the bottom. You know, so what one gentle encouragement that, that he gave. Sometimes we, we treat God like a vending machine. He, we want this from God. We want that from God. We're looking for this experience. We want this experience from God. It's not about what we can get or what we can uh, receive uh, from God in itself. It's not about things. Everything that we do as Christians and as a church should glorify Jesus. That's what it's all about. Everything that he gives to us is that we, we might glorify Jesus. Every, all the gifts that he gives to us uh, are that Jesus might be glorified. Is Jesus glorified in our lives? When, I, when I'm at church, do I glorify him in, in the way that I act? When, I, when I'm away from church, when I'm at work throughout the week... Do I glorify Jesus in, in the way that I am? If I stand at the front and preach, is it uh, that I, I want people to look at me or do I want to see people uh, looking to Jesus? Whatever I do, if it's, if it's for my benefit, if it's for my glory, then it's of no value. But everything is to point to Jesus, to, to glorify Jesus. I want to make people think about him. So does what we do glorify him? From whatever we do, from... Uh, when we come into church, from standing at the door, from serving the drinks, to just talking to people when you come into church, uh, just encouraging people, encouraging new people, or just encouraging someone who, who needs a word, just does it glorify Jesus? Are we doing it for his glory? Down to uh, all the other things and the more prominent things, which um, are perhaps not as, not as important in the old scheme of things. You know, when I came, first came to Hope House Church, over eight years, maybe eight, maybe nine years ago, it's uh, uh, now... You know, Paul was speaking, I remember Paul speaking, I remember the worship band, but you know, got to be honest, Paul, I can't remember a thing what you spoke about, you know, I've no idea, no idea, no, and I can't remember what songs we sung, I've no idea, but what I do remember, I do remember those who welcomed me, I remember Roy and Ruth, you know, they, uh, they welcomed me, I remember James, James Shaw, he, he came and he, you know, he made me feel welcome. And that's what stuck in my mind. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the songs that we sung. It wasn't the, the, the sermons that I heard. The message, it was those who welcomed. 
Uh, those who are encouraged. And that's, that's important. It's important that we do that uh, as a church. That, that we just encourage one another. That we welcome one another when we see people coming in. And just welcome them and, and encourage them. Because it's about pointing people to Jesus. Does the way we act when, when, we, when we go home glorify Jesus? Does the way that we are when we're at work glorify Jesus? Does it point people to Jesus? A good rule of thumb before we do anything is to say, does this glorify Jesus? Does it, does it honor Jesus? Does it make Jesus look good? Or is it trying, I'm trying to make myself look good? What the feeding of the 5,000 should point us towards is not the value of enjoying a good meal. That's, I enjoy a good meal, but that's not what it's all about. It's about Jesus. Jesus being the bread of life. As he said, we've read it already, this verse. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Many people are looking for things that will satisfy them. Jesus says, I am the one who will satisfy. I will, I will supply all the needs. I will satisfy the hunger that is within your heart, the hunger that is deep within. I can satisfy that. It's similar to what happened when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Uh, he, he speaks to a woman. Uh, she, she's quite an outcast, this, this woman, because she's, uh, she's on her own and she... Uh, She's drawing water from the well, and Jesus says to her, she says, the water that I can give you, uh, if you drink that, you will never thirst again. And the woman says, give me this water that I might never thirst again. But but obviously Jesus is not talking about physical thirst, physical hunger. It's uh, our spirits, our spirits that hunger. And he's saying that he can satisfy the longings and the needs within us. But what does it mean to never hunger again? What? It's quite, quite strange, really. What does it mean? Does it, does it mean that we'll never have any questions? Does it mean that if we, if we come to Jesus, then he'll, he'll deal with all our questions? Does it mean that we'll never have any problems? Does it mean that all our, our difficulties go? Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? But I can't, can't say that that's, that's the way it is. But what, what it does mean, I think what Jesus is getting at is not uh, giving us a, a pass to a, to a trouble-free existence, but as he says, we've got a few verses coming up, and he, and he sort of explains in these verses. When in uh, John 5:24 he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Then he goes on in John chapter 6, uh, verse 21. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offered to the world, that the world may live, is my flesh. And then again, John six fifty four. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person up on the last day. So here, Jesus is talking about giving us eternal life, giving us full life, life that goes on forever. Jesus is giving us, uh, it's not only quantity, it's not only lasts forever, but it is full, a full life. And when we're in Jesus, then it, it is a full life. And he, he hungers, he gives, gives us, um, he, uh, satisfies our hunger and our thirst. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that, uh, in a sense, it's, it's, when we come to him, it's, it's a once uh, and for all experience, when we put our faith in, we take a step from death into life. It's, it's a transition of moving from death into life. We take that journey uh, when we come to know Jesus. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, that's the end of our journey. That's the beginning. But that transition from death to life is something that, um, that, that no one can take away from us. We have, we have got that eternal life. We're looking in, in Romans uh, this, this week about, about no condemnation. Uh, how amazing is it to, to be not condemned for, for what we've done? Remember if those of us who were in the, in the Connect group, that, um, we're thinking about that um, guilty verdict that was written over our lives and how, how horrible that was. And Jesus takes that away. Jesus takes that guilty verdict and he, he wipes it away. And that is amazing, isn't it, that, uh, that we can have that um, that guilty verdict, that, that dark stain of our lives washed away. It's not hidden. It's not something that's uh, hidden away, but it takes it away. We are not guilty. 
In John's first epistle, he encourages his readers that they should know where they stand in Jesus. He says, these things are right to you, believe in the name of Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. That is what John is saying. He's saying, you can not only have eternal life, but you can know that you have eternal life. And you should know that you have eternal life as, as a believer. Have you ever said that, uh, said that expression, I'm never going to eat again after you've had a meal? A few, few, a year or two back, we went out for a meal. And uh, it was, went to Toby Carvey actually. And, uh, and you know, we had, had the meal, had the main meal. And I was full. And I saw the treacle sponge on, on the menu. You know, you, it'd be wrong not, not to have it if it's, if it's there, if it's on the menu. A bit full, but I thought, well, all is room for treacle sponge. And so I, had, I got it and uh, started eating. I thought, oh, I'm full, I'm full now. Carly said, well, leave it. So I'm not leaving. I mean, I can't leave your treacle sponge, you know. You know, it's, it'd just be wrong. You know, and so I carried on eating it. And I carried on eating it. And by the time I'd had it, I felt, oh, I felt awful. I was, I was exploding. You know, we, had to, we had to go and sit in, in, in the bar area and uh, just, I couldn't move for about an hour, you know. I just had to sit there vegetating. And I said, I'm never going to eat again. You know, have you ever said, have you ever said that? I'm never going to eat again. But, you know, it doesn't matter how, how full you are, because some, the time comes when you do eat again. You, you know, you can't have one meal for the rest of You can't have one meal that's sufficient for the rest of your life. You've got to eat again. And we, we do, we, we get to the point, even when we're full, then we, we eat again. So when Jesus says that we'll, we'll never hunger again, it doesn't mean that we should stop coming to church. We can't come once. We can't have one fill up, one mega fill up come to church and say, where well, I've been, I've, that's, my, that's that bit done, I don't need to come again. We can't read our Bible once and then say, well, I don't need to read it again. He's saying... He's not saying that we won't have any questions. What he's saying is, is that in me, you've got everything that you need. In me, uh, as it says in, uh, in Colossians 2 verse 3, Paul says, In whom, that is in Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus contains it all, everything that we need. But if you've got a mortgage, suppose I, uh, I go to your bank manager and I... And I, and I You've got to have a good imagination for this. And I, and I say, I want, to pay off, I want to pay off your mortgage. And I, and I, and I pay it off in full. You know, and uh, <laughs> if, you, if you go in and you want to make your next payment, then the payment's full. It's, it's paid off. It's paid off. You don't need to pay anymore. There's nothing more to pay. That's like when, we, when we're in Jesus. Then he's paid it all in full. It's all paid off. There's nothing more to pay. We can't do anything more. We can't do anything to add to it. If we try and add anything to Jesus, then we actually take away from him. And so it's not about the next experience. It's about Jesus. He's the bread of life. When we've eaten of the bread of life, we don't need to run around looking for something new, looking for a new experience, looking for to be uh, the next thing to thrill us, the next big conference, whatever it is. If any of these things do anything, it's that they point us to Jesus. Then in Mark's gospel, Jesus also has some interesting things to say about bread. This is also after um, the feeding of the 5,000. And, and after, um, after that, Jesus, Jesus speaks to his disciples. The disciples, they don't, never learn their lesson, do they? You know, they've, uh, they've forgot bread. You, know, you think by now, they've, they've had the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't have enough bread with them. The feeding of the 4,000, the disciples didn't have any bread with them. And so again, they come to the point where they've got no bread. And so they've got nothing to eat. So Jesus says to them, he says, beware. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So the disciples start talking among themselves. And I think, think Jesus is giving them a baking tip. You know, what, 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 what do they need for the ingredients? I think they're uh, getting ready for the, the great... Uh, Israeli bake off, whatever you know, and uh, but but Jesus is not so much concerned about about the food what they eat. He's just warning them. He's saying, don't uh, don't take on the ideas and uh, the, the values of the society that you that you live in. Uh, the Pharisees and the Herod, they 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 were the people who were against Jesus. He's saying, don't let their attitudes, don't let their ideas rub off on you. 
So because it only takes a little bit, only takes a little bit of yeast, and it works in the whole loaf of bread, and, it, and it, the whole bread raises, doesn't it? And it says it only takes a little bit um, uh, to, to do that. In uh, Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says these words, and it uh, sort of um, goes with what Jesus said. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and it'll be changed from the inside out. It's easy to fit in without even thinking into it. We take on the attitudes and the actions of the society that we live in, and we take on those attitudes, and we take on uh, those, uh, those actions. Jesus t- tells us we should be salt and light in the world, in the society that we live in. But Paul is saying here, he says it's easy to take on non-Christian attitudes, attitudes that rub off on us, and, and to, to actually not only take them on board, but to actually think it's normal to take them on board. We don't see anything wrong in how we behave. Jesus tells us that we only need to have a little bit of this attitude and it will affect all of our lives. The danger is that we take our cue of how we should behave from the world around us. We think it's normal and acceptable to behave in a certain way. And if we're careful, then we end up being no different. And Jesus is not, uh, not talking about, um, uh, you know, he's saying that it's, it's not that we... Do, that we when we act like this, that we, we lose our, our salvation. He doesn't give up on us. That's, that's not the case. But what he's saying is that as believers, as believers who have got eternal life, then we should show people and we should point people to Jesus by the way that we live. It's easy to become so well adjusted that we, we act like everyone else. We've got the same attitude at work. When somebody starts talking, then we join in talking about somebody else. Yeah, you know, they've... Uh, they've really annoyed me because uh, it's easy. We don't, we don't notice, we don't realize that we're taking on and become so well adjusted. We, it, we fit in without thinking. When we're on the road, we have uh, somebody cuts you on us and we have the same attitudes as, as those who are not believers because we fit in so well without even thinking. When someone upsets us, when someone hurts us, then we hold on to grudges so easily and we don't forgive them because, well, they deserve it. You know, they've done wrong, they're in the wrong, so why shouldn't I hold on to these grudges? And we fit in so well without even realizing it. And we can, it can go all the way in, in, in any area. We can fit in so well without even thinking uh, into the society that we're in. We take on the, their attitudes and their um, values. When I first became a Christian, um, and, and I knew some Christians, and I had a certain view about certain things, and well, everything basically, what, what they believe, everything it was all about, as a Christian, you don't do that, and it was all about a list of things what you don't do. I, I didn't really know what you did do, but um, as a Christian, you, sh- you shouldn't... Uh, you shouldn't go to the cinema. That was what I thinking. You shouldn't go to football matches. Well, that's, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm not, that won't trouble me too much. But you know, if you went into a pub, then well, really, you need a real prayer. If you went to a rock concert, you need the devil casting out of you. You know, but um, and uh, the pendulum swings, and that, that was like a, an extreme type of view. Sometimes the pendulum swings in the opposite direction. And, uh, instead of acting like that, it's as though we've got not, nothing that uh, sometimes it can be that, that anything goes. How do we remedy that? How do we become balanced in, in the way that we are? Well, as, as Paul was saying in, uh, in, that, uh, in that verse, he says, don't become so well adjusted, but fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. He's the one uh, who we're going to fix our attention on. If we try and uh, live our lives by living uh, according to a set of rules and regulations, well, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, and I, I shouldn't do that, I'll try and do this, then we're going to find out we can't do it. No matter what the regulation, rules and regulations, we can't live by that. That's not what a Christian life is about. It's not about living up to a, a list of rules. Uh, that's, that's the last thing it's about. And if we try and live like that, then will not be changed, will not be transformed. That try and changes us from the outside in. And when we try and change ourselves from the outside in, then it doesn't work. But as Paul says, 
change, be changed from the inside out by the renewing of our minds. Fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on Jesus. Uh, feed on him. Feed on him as we've been reading. Feed on Jesus. He's what we need to, to feed on. We need to fix our, our thoughts, our attitudes. Feed on his word. Feed on Jesus. And that's how you'll be transformed. Not by trying to be better. Not by trying your best. But by trusting in Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus. Put feeding on Jesus. Spending time with him. That's how you'll be changed from the inside out. And it's when we're changed from the inside out that, that there is transformation. If the band want to start making the way back, uh, please. There's something of a paradox in the fact that although... When we feed on Jesus, we never hunger again, and he gives us eternal life. We need to feed on him to live healthy Christian lives. That's what we need to continually do. We need to do that if our lives are going to glorify Jesus. Some time ago, there was a book, The Purpose Driven Life. Do you remember The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren? This is uh, how the book starts. The very first uh, paragraph of the book says these words. It says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's, for, it's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born for his purpose, born by his purpose and for his purpose. That's Rick Warren who wrote that. Often we think it is about us, we think it's about us, we think it's about me. That says it's not about you, it's, it's about Jesus. That's what it's all about, that's why we're here. We're here uh, as a fellowship to, to glorify the name of Jesus. We do think so often that it's about us, but we need to change our direction, to change the direction that where we look, stop looking inward and look to Jesus. If that's how we've been, if that's how we've been living, then we need to, to come back to him. We need to remind ourselves that it's all about Jesus. It's about him. Maybe you're, you're, you're here this morning and you've been living your life and uh, you're a Christian maybe. Yeah, but you've been living and it's, it's as though it's all been about you and you just need to just reconnect with God just reconnect with Jesus maybe you need to do that this morning if, if you want to come out while, while the band are playing then somebody will come and pray with you because it's, sometimes we just need that, that reconnection to Jesus that it is about him if uh, you've been looking at going about from one experience to another, wanting uh, one thing after another, an experience, uh, and that's what it's been about, sometimes we need to remind ourselves it's about Jesus. It's about him. If you need to do that, if you need to just come out, then you know, people will, will, will be willingly pray with you. So while the band are playing, then you can come out and just have prayer. Perhaps you're in a position this morning and you, you've never known Jesus, you don't know what it means what does it mean that Jesus is the bread of life what, what's all this about you know well Jesus says if you come to me you will never hunger and thirst that doesn't mean that you're problem free that doesn't mean that uh, there's no difficulties but what it does mean is that Jesus fulfills you and he gives you long, that longing that is in your heart, he gives it uh, healing and he gives you purpose in your life, if you come to Jesus this morning then it doesn't do away with the problems but he's there with you and he fills that hunger and he fills that thirst and he, he, he satisfies it there's people here this morning loads of people who can, who can testify that that is the case so if, uh, if while the band is playing if, if you need prayer maybe, maybe you don't maybe you just want to make a response where you are and just uh, spend time with God where you are but if you need to come out for prayer then, then somebody will, will pray with you if you just need to reconnect, if you need to say to Jesus, Lord, it's about you. It's not about me. It's not about my happiness. It's not about my. Uh, it's not about what I want. It's about you, because that's what it is all about. That is why we're here, and that is why we're here as a church to glorify Him. Amen.
should I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken thank you Jesus thank you Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are worthy of every praise, Lord Jesus. Lord, just let our focus be on you, Lord. Let it always be about you, not not about me leading worship or calling preaching, Lord. It's it's all about you. Praise your name. Amen. Amen.